to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Match Podcast. And this week on the podcast, I am going to welcome Matt from Victory High Performance. And I met Matt through Instagram. So I meet most of my guests is through Instagram. So Matt and I connect and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's get on the podcast and talk. So uh, Matt, how's it going? Welcome to the show. How you feeling? It's going well. Thanks for thanks for having me. No, no, no. Thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I I greatly appreciate again you just making the time for me because my time's kind of discombobulated right now. So I want you know definitely show my appreciation for you with patience, understanding, and knowing like this guy might not be very well organized. I'll pick up the slack. So thank you. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Um, so. Um, for you with uh, Victory High Performance, I, I guess the first question for me is, tell me a little bit about it. What, like, how does this come about for you and, you know, where's it going for you? Yeah, well, we're a strength and conditioning gym in San Jose, California, and our primary, uh, our primary clientele is jujitsu athletes or grapplers. Um, it's... Uh, kind of a long story as far as how it came to be. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of good strength coaches growing up. Um, I, I played hockey growing up and oh. I had like a little taste of, uh, martial arts, but nothing like I, like I have now. Um, and I always knew like, if I didn't coach hockey, I, I love being in the gym. It was something that I really enjoyed. And, um, you know, a lot of those people had, a positive impact on me as a person and how I kind of grew up and learned about life. And um, so that was always in the back of my head and flash forward, uh, you know, I guess three years ago at that point, I had coached for the Sharks for five or six years and um, COVID hit. We had to all had to adjust. And one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I have a gym in California of all places where gyms weren't looked highly upon, but we made it work, um, you know, training outside, training remotely, doing all the things that we had to do. And one person led to two and two led to four. And next thing you know, we had our own space and, um, you know, we just moved in. I say just feels like yesterday, um, a year ago, moved into our own uh, 2,400 square foot spot in downtown San Jose. Um, and now we're, we're about 50 members and I would say 80, 80 to 85% of them are grapplers. Um, so that's, that's become our niche and I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely love it. So fun. Nice. So, you know, basically COVID kind of really pushed you into this, which for, yeah. for all the shit that we give COVID, you know what? It's actually kind of it. It pushed us, you know, a lot of us in in the direction. So I don't want to say good for COVID because you know it is what it is. But I'm glad you're able to, you know, find that positive out of it. And not only that, with the, especially in California, with the restrictions there, it did sound like it was fucking chaos. So it was it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm in Maryland and it wasn't too too bad but it was still a little it was a little confusing here because in some places you got like oh no you can't do anything everything has to be locked down you know they're putting orange tape on doors so they'll know if you've been in there and then there are other spots where they're like ah man just not you good that i think because of dc like it because we have like what we call the dmv where it's like baltimore doesn't get counted in the uh the dc maryland virginia chain baltimore is just baltimore and then the dmv is its own little thing and i think over there they're like oh no we're like super locked down and, and like you know like annapolis baltimore and all that they're like no we're good just don't don't sneeze on me and <laughs> keep training that's, that's cool i didn't know uh i know you're from that area I'm, I'm actually from the dmv i'm from woodbridge virginia so i'm on the other side 
nice, nice. See, all right. So there's that comfort there. You, you're, yeah. I think you're the third person now that I've encountered in the past two weeks. It's like through, you know, through Instagram, jujitsu in any capacity that's no longer out here. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm from Silver Spring, or you know, I'm from you know uh Tyson's Corner, you know, around it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. that's cool. <laughs> My parents still live there. Um, so I, I go back every every so often, but um, okay. I've lived in California now for I guess it has been eight years. Um, okay. So yeah. Well, cool, cool. Now, when you dealing with uh, you know primarily hockey and and uh, you said you're with the Sharks, like coaching with the Sharks, the mm -hmm. San Jose Sharks. Yep. So how did you get from hockey? into martial arts um so my first uh my first run-in with martial arts i'm sure my parents put me in karate or something as a kid like most do, do. Uh, i i didn't stick with it i don't know why i don't i have very vague memories of it i'm not sure i don't know i don't know what i held on to if anything um but then my so as i was coming up I grew up playing hockey in Virginia, uh, maybe 17 years old. I found a boxing gym and I was there over the summer, um, you know, to get in better shape for hockey. And knowing what I know now, that was the exact opposite thing that I should have done. Um, and we can dive into that later. But in any case, that's what I did. And so boxing, if you want to count boxing as a martial art, was kind of the first time I, um, I had actively sought it out. And then the next summer, one of my friends uh, took me to a gym near our house in Virginia. Uh, it was called Gold Medal Grappling. And the, the pro there, so the head coach was Elijah Harshbarger. And then the pro was Chris McRae. Chris McRae was on the Ultimate Fighter, fought in the UFC for a little bit. Uh, so he was there and he was like on the mats with us and doing the whole thing. And so he and Elijah really, they, they gave me my first taste of jujitsu. And it's nothing like what I what I'm learning now um, here in California, but it was the first it was the first taste. And so I always had it in my head. I was like, man, like that that's pretty cool. Like, and I don't like getting hit in the head. So <laughs> if I can avoid that, if I can avoid that, I will. Um, when I came out, so I finished playing uh, hockey in college, and then I finished college, and then I came out here to coach. And I was coaching for the Sharks uh, amateur hockey division. So they're top 18 and 16 year olds. Um, and I just remember missing, missing the challenge, missing the team atmosphere. And I know jujitsu is an individual sport, but it's a team sport. Um, and so I started researching. I was like, you know what? Like my brother, he was, my brother's still in the army, but he was uh, boxing a lot of the time. And I was like, man, like, I'd love to do something like that, but. I, like I said, I don't want to get hit in the head anymore. I'm I'm past that. Um, and so I started Googling things and I looked up, you know, jujitsu in San Jose. And then you start to realize that there are names attached to all these schools. And then I started Googling the names and Coyotera being right down the street. I see he's won 12 world championships. I'm like, I'd be stupid not to go here. And so I showed up and my the first coach I ever had was Kyle's brother, Kim. And he and Yuri Smois, who's now, you know, several time world champion, several time ADCC champion, um, you know, it's those guys on the mats. At the time, I have no idea who they are. And I'm just like, oh, these, these guys are, are kind of cool. Uh, you know, I, I had no idea who, you know, the kind of company I was, I was, uh, I was holding. And so uh, I fell in love with it. And I've been going every day, every day, pretty much every day ever since. And I'm, I'll never look back. I'm, I'll be on the mats every day until the day I die. <laughs> that, that tends to be kind of the case with, with jujitsu, with most martial arts. Well, you know, kind of in that pocket of MMA style, Muay Thai, kickboxing, jujitsu, things like that. Most people get in and they love it and they can't imagine being away from it. And I'm with you on the whole you know, getting hit in the head. It's like th there's this weird toughness that people like to carry with like, man, you know, I'm tough. You can hit me all you want. It's like, uh, yeah, that's 
cool now, but I don't know if you heard about CTE. That's a thing. And yeah. <laughs> not fun. Later. Not fun at all. Uh, but when, when you were uh, playing hockey in college, what did you play at? Uh, so I played briefly at Worcester State University in Massachusetts. It's a small D3 school, maybe 45 minutes outside of Boston. I was recording last night for one of my other podcasts. And my friend, I always like to have stuff on in the background. I told my friend, I was like, hold on, um, I'm putting on a game right now. He's like, oh, you know, he's thinking NBA playoffs. He's like, oh, who's playing? And I was like, oh, uh, Carolina, um, you know, the Hurricanes. And he paused for a minute. <laughs> he goes, you fucking watching hockey? I was like, dude, I don't know if you know this about me, but like, I, don't, I was a big hockey fan like growing up. He was like, I, I'm originally from Detroit. And he's like, oh, yeah, Red Wings. Okay, never mind. Hockey town, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> you, you have been good for a while, okay? Relax. But <laughs> there was a minute. We had our, we had our 25 years. Yeah, that was that was a uh, that was quite the run there in Detroit. Yeah, then they they were just like uh, they were like, wait a minute, Detroit teams aren't supposed to be good. <laughs> what are we doing? Stop winning. <laughs> and, and then they just gave me another reason to cry. I was like, no, not you, <laughs> anyone but you. I thought I thought we'd never lose you. Um, so once you you know transition to the mats and. Just started really falling in love with grappling. What did you bring with you from hockey, you know, if anything, to the match that kind of maybe helped you a little bit in transitioning or, you know, getting any comfort um, while grappling or, you know, just doing any kind of work on the match, period? Yeah, there's a couple of things that come to mind. The first is Hockey is one of the only sports that you have to learn another sport before you can be good at hockey. Like skating isn't a natural motion um, and it takes a lot of practice and, and several years to really, really master that. Um, and without it, though, you can't play. And so just, I guess, from a, a sense of like general athleticism, I've always been an athletic person, but hockey takes it to another level because of the complexity of the techniques that have to be used. The other thing would be like the speed of the game is really fast and jujitsu is fast, but you can slow things down with the gi and, and, um, you know, that, I think that definitely benefited me. Um, and then I guess lastly would be, uh, there's a certain toughness associated with hockey. I mean, guys play through things all the time. I'm sure watching Detroit come up, you know, you've seen your fair share of, pretty gnarly injuries. And, um, you know, I've had a few myself that, you know, we just had to play through and you, you learn to be uncomfortable, um, even in, you know, pressure situations, which is jujitsu is being uncomfortable, <laughs> especially for the first couple of years, you don't, you don't get comfortable until, you know, maybe two years in. So. Oh yeah. I think if I remember correctly with Detroit, Bob Probert, broke his leg in the game. Many players have broken their legs in a game and kept playing, but Bob Prover stands out to me for that because it's like I remember hearing I was like, wow, he broke his leg and kept playing. That's that's weird because I twist my ankle and it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna hang out over here on the sidelines. And now you see, you know, a lot of stuff in the NBA where you know players aren't even playing the full season because it's like ah, you know, I got cramps, you know, I'm not I'm not, you know, throwing rocks at NBA players and completely calling them soft. But it's like, okay, well, look, you got, you got guys that are getting pucks slapped at their face and they're not even wearing a mask. And that, that anytime I see somebody slide and <laughs> try to like block a puck from going to yeah. those like, Oh, you're committed. Yeah. <laughs> like, super committed. If, if you want, I'll tell you my, are you squeamish? I'll tell you my gnarliest, Injury story. If if you are squeamish, I will, I'll skip it. I'm squeamish, but I love it. Share. All right. Okay. <laughs> so you, you talk about you know uh, taking pucks to the face. That was actually that was the worst injury I ever sustained. Um, it was my last year of junior hockey. I was in Texas. 
I was exiting the offensive zone. My teammate was entering the offensive zone. The puck had left. He was shooting the puck back kind of against the grain. I was skating this way. He was skating this way. And he shot it maybe 10 feet wide of me. It wasn't, it wasn't going to hit me, but it went off of an opponent's stick directly into my mouth. And I watched the whole thing. I was awake for the whole thing. The, you know, I, as the puck's coming at me, I'm like, this is going to suck. And it hit me and my ears are ringing. The pucks, you know, the play's still going. I'm trying to shake it off. I'm like, ah, what the hell? And uh, I can feel like with my tongue, I feel my teeth and they're not in the right place, but they're not loose, which was weird. And I'm like, hmm, I try to spit them out and I couldn't spit them out. Play's still going. I throw my gloves off and I tried to pull them out and I couldn't, I couldn't pull them out because they weren't loose. And at that point I, I start to think, I'm like, all right, something's really wrong here. And so I go down on my knees and I'm like, just trying to figure out like, what's, what, what is happening? Meanwhile, the play stops. It's like all the way on the other end at this point. And, uh, you know, my coach comes out, he's like screaming at the refs cause he sees me, I'm bleeding everywhere all over the ice. And, um, kind of comes up and he, he puts a towel on my face. I'm like, it's pretty bad, huh? He was like, yeah, it's, it's not good. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. So, uh, he asked me, he said, who, who do you want me to call? I was like, whatever you do, don't call my mom. Cause my mom will kill me. She was like, she told me all growing up, I paid for braces. And if you fuck your teeth up, I swear to God. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. All right. And so, <laughs> And so he's like, well, I got to call somebody. Who do you want me to call? I said, well, call my dad, but tell him not to tell my mom yet. And so <laughs> my dad was the buffer zone between, uh, you know, the rest of my family and I. And he was kind of taking in information and then diffusing it at the appropriate times. Um, they took me into they took me into one of the locker rooms. And this is funny. You'll love this. They're, on the other team, the, the coach's kid want to be a doctor and so he'd follow the team around and he'd ask the team doctors of all the you know all the teams all the opposing teams like hey if anything happens can i watch and they're like yeah sure they don't ever expect anything like that to happen so i go in the i go in the room and then the team doctor comes in and then the coach's son follows him hey the kid must have been i don't know 10 years old and i'm just i am pouring blood out my face and just cursing up a storm you know what the hell? Fuck this. I want to go play, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and the kid is just like, oh, I was blown away. Like, Oh my God, I did not expect to see this. And the team doctor, he says, you know, he was like, uh, you gotta go, you're going to have to go to the hospital. And I was like, uh, uh, stitch me up. I want to play. And he was like, no, 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 no. You have to go to the hospital. And I protest. And he's like, you want to see it? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. Just stitch me up. I'll put a cage on. I'm going. And he pushes me in the bathroom and he shows me, like puts me in front of the mirror. And I, at that point I look and it had, it had cut me open so wide that I could close my mouth and see my teeth. It was, it was nasty, man. It looked, I looked like Two-Face from, from the Batman series. And I was just thinking it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so gross. So like it cut my lip open. Uh, that required 24 stitches to fix eight inside eight in like eight underneath eight inside eight outside and then it had broken my jaw and my nose across this way so my teeth had like they call it stage four trauma so it had snapped my roots but stayed in my jaw and so it like broke my jaw back this way and uh that was a horrific experience i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy um you know, after several hours in the ER and they're poking in and looking around like, oh, it looks, you know, this is what it looks like. They're taking x-rays and all, all kinds of stuff. And finally, um, they bring in an oral surgeon. This is at Brook Army Medical Center um, in San Antonio. And this, he looks like a kid. He, could, he looked like he was my age. And I was like, either this guy is really green and I'm his test or or he's a genius. And it turns out he was a genius. I, I think, I mean, I had no root canals. No, I didn't lose any of my teeth. Nice. Uh, you can hardly see the scar. He's, he was, he was a really top notch plastic surgeon. And in any case, he took me, I remember he took me into the oral surgery room and, uh, he shot me several times in the mouth to try to numb everything. And then at, at one point he's like, 
all right, hold on, don't move. And I was like, don't tell me, just do it. And he was like, no, 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 seriously. Like, if you move, I'm gonna have to do this again and it's gonna be worse. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like gripping the chair as hard as I can, like just trying to stay as still as I can. And he takes this needle, it's probably like this big and he puts it up into the roof of my mouth. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so nasty. <laughs> It was, it was the sharpest pain I've ever felt. It felt like, like, uh, you know, in like the, you know, in like the old anime cartoons where like somebody gets sliced in half and it's like, yeah. and, and everything goes, you know, like splits apart this way. That's what it felt like. It felt like my, like right down the middle. I was like, oh my God, like, how could that hurt any worse? And, uh, and then, and then I found out what hurt worse. And that was uh like he laid me back at you know five minutes he's like hey this might hurt this might not i don't know and i was like what do you mean you don't know like you just you just put a needle in my in my mouth like in the roof of my mouth it hurt <laughs> he's like well i you know there's no way for me to tell what you know how your body's going to react to this much xylocaine and i was like okay just do what you gotta do man like i, I know what's gonna happen i knew the whole night i was like they're just gonna have to reset my jaw it's gonna suck like let's just get over with and so the dude put his hand on my head and he put his other hand on my mouth and pulled and it took three tries to get my jaw back into place. So every time he like bite, uh, okay, it doesn't quite fit, go back in. And I tell you, man, I scream so loud. Like my, you could, so my coach and one of the, uh, one of the billet moms, one of the host moms, they came to the hospital with me and it was like a door, hallway, door closed, waiting room, door they were outside that door and they could hear me from all the way out there because it was it was gnarly it was so it was so painful and so on the third time i remember i remember looking out i'm like hey man hit the gym like <laughs> uh you gotta get stronger this sucks i don't want to do this again <laughs> um but then you know eventually he like he ended up having to shave down uh, a couple of my teeth and make sure they fit and then he he wired the top row uh, he like wired it across, not, not shut, shut, but like just straight across. Um, and then stitched me up and sent me home and I went and got a milkshake and I was at practice two days later. So, <laughs> all right. So <clears throat> that fucked me all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, thank you for sharing it. That, that was, th that just opened my eyes. So whole another viewpoint of life um i used to say wrestlers were lunatics and they're insane and they are in their own right as are grapplers but like the fact that you're back at practice two days later is is fucking nuts so <laughs> wow man i i remember watching uh i think it was brendan morrison he, he was playing for the caps at the time and he took a puck off the mouth and he went to the bench and he pulled out nine teeth and just played the next shift. Like he just yeah. pulled them out. It was like, fuck it. I'll get them later. And then he, and then he finished the game. <laughs> and hockey players, especially on the pro level, it's again, it's just a yeah. different world. It's like, Oh, Hey, guess what? My, my arm is broken completely. Yeah. Well, you know, you, yeah. you can come out if you want. No, I'm good. I'm, you know, <laughs> you looked at it you saw it now go ahead put me back in it's it's always interesting to see the injury reports after the playoffs because there's always mm -hmm. a broken foot a broken hand a broken arm separated shoulders you know so-and-so can't bend their knee but you know it just it's it's wild to see what what those guys put themselves through but that's what it takes i mean yeah you're you know professional athlete you're playing at the highest level and you you know you're out there for the championship you, you know, you don't become champion by saying, you know, oh, I jam my finger. I, I, I can't go on. It's like, what? Fuck out of here. Jammed your finger. You know, next next thing you know, you got a guy out there again. You talk about put me back in there. Your face is exploded. You're like, no, 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 I'm good. Just put me back out there, which I mean, I guess in one sense is like, you know, it's like you, you were coherent enough. You're like, I can do it. But looking at it, it's like, no, there are children watching. I think they would be. <laughs> yeah. They, they had to push me out of the rink. I, I, um, 
I kept insisting that I stay till the end of the game, which I did. They, they, you know, they kept pushing me. They're like, all right, you gotta go to the hospital now. And I, and they'd start walking. I turn around, walk right back in. I'm like banging on the glass and I'm, you know, they, they stitched me a little bit just to keep it closed, but you can see all the people in the stands are like, what the hell? Like, Oh my God, there's a boat. The game ended and everybody came out. We won the game and we're, you know, all fist bumps or whatever. And all my teammates are like, Oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, fuck it. We won. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah. It, 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 at least you got the win. If, yeah. if that happened and then you all lost, it's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. You, you like you lost. You, you see what I sacrificed here, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Like, geez, Louise. All right. Well, <laughs> we come back from that. Yeah. Well, um, you weren't expecting that when we signed on. <laughs> No, 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 wow. Um, that's definitely going to get clipped and be part of the greatest hits for episode 200. Cool. <laughs> wow, holy shit. Uh, so, damn, I'm, I'm like still reeling from that. Um, so tell me um, a little bit about, you know, the program um, that you all kind of operate with. Like, what do you, you know, like, how do you start it off? Like, let's say I come in and I'm like, look, man. I'm, I'm 45. You know, I, I used to, I was just talking with my teammate today. We we're talking about bench press. I was like, look, man, I was putting up, you know, 285 pretty easily. You know, now I, you know, decided I, I don't think I need it anymore, but obviously I do. I come walking into your doors. I'm a grappler. Like, give me a breakdown of uh, how you're going to try to help me and get back uh, just to living. Yeah. So the first step, it for all of our athletes is what's called a strategy session. And so we sit down and we talk about goals, medical injury history. Um, we talk about uh, training schedule, uh, work schedule, all the things that go into determining how often you're going to train um, and what you're going to want to achieve, right? Um, any potential limitations, you know, whether it's previous injury um, or movement limitation, whatever that is. Um, so after the strategy session, what we do is we schedule a movement and strength assessment. And so we will go through um, each joint one by one from neck on down to toes and just figure out, does each joint work properly by itself? Right? The, the theory or the, I guess, philosophy would be uh, independence before interdependence. So what that means is every joint needs to work the way it's supposed to work before you ask it to do a complex, you know, ask an athlete to do a complex chain of movements. If you think about like somebody throwing a baseball starts in the ground up through the legs, through the hips, through the torso, through the shoulder, through the elbow wrist, and then out the fingers. And so if there is a, um, if there's a break in that chain at any point, then things start compensating, doing things that they're not supposed to do. They do things they're not supposed to do. Eventually they break down. And that's where you see like a lot of injury or, uh, you know, a lot of injury patterns pop up. So we go through joint by joint, look at each joint, see, does it work properly? Or is there any pain? If there's pain, then we, you know, talk about how to work around it and how to get you out of pain. After we do that, <clears throat> we go through, um, it's called the functional movement screen, which is the way I would explain it is it's, um, uh, it's an assessment that kind of shows us how each of those joints are going to move in conjunction with each other because sports happen, you know, it's not just a one joint sport, right? That doesn't, that doesn't exist um, as far as I know. And so um, we go through that screen and that shows us common movement patterns that we're going to see during the training sessions that, that are to follow. Um, again, we're looking for, um, you know, how do joints work together? We're looking for imbalances from side to side. So maybe, you know, one side looks really good and the other side doesn't. And then we can ask that question. We can say, okay, what happened here? And they can say, okay, well, that was, remember we talked about my shoulder injury from two years ago and it never quite recovered properly. I'm like, okay, now I know when we program, we need to pay special attention to what's going on on this side versus the other. Um, and then we're looking for, uh, we're looking for low hanging fruit. So the, that assessment is score is a, zero to three scale three being the best i've ever seen two being good it's fine maybe need some work but overall is fine one being uh struggles or cannot complete and then zero being in pain 
And so if I see any zeros or ones, like zeros, we typically refer out and we'll say, okay, like you should probably go to physical therapy before you do anything else, because this is something that's going to cause you pain when you move and we don't want that. So let's get you out of pain first. Um, but if I see any ones, then that's my cue to, you know, when I build the program, I say, okay, like this was a trouble point for them. Let's address this now because it's going to give them the, the biggest bang for their buck as early as possible. Um, and then we do, um, you know, a couple of strength tests. We do push-ups, pull-ups, um, grip strength, things like that. Um, and just kind of see where people are at. Um, and that, again, all of that, all of that information, everything we talked about during the strategy session, everything that we go through during the movement and strength assessment all goes into a program that's built for you, your goals, your body, you know, your potential movement limitations or injury history, whatever that is. Um, and then we build the program and then, you know, people come in, they train with a coach. Uh, it's small group personal training, meaning uh, you have the best of both worlds. You have a individualized program that's built for you, but you do it alongside a team of other people who are also there to get better, that are going to hold you accountable, that are going to cheer you on, that are going to, you know, they'll be your support system as you do it. Um, so anyways, that's how it works. Okay. Uh, I, I like that. that. That sounds hell. I wish I was in San Jose. That that sounds amazing. Uh, and it, you you actually answered, you know, a question in there that I was going to ask about physical therapy, you know, because as you're uh, kind of going over, it's like, OK, you know, you know, are you, you know, kind of like a physical uh, low, can't talk physical therapist or, you know, do you uh, have, um, you know, schooling in that? My my buddy's wife is a physical th physical therapist. So every time I go over and there's, uh, there's always something wrong with me and she sees me limping. She sees me favoring one side. She's like, okay, Dante, sit down. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. And my buddy's like, do it. She, she's, you're not going to be allowed to eat until she makes sure you're okay. So just sit down and just accept it. And I think last time I went over, I, I strained my groin mm -hmm. and I was limping very, very heavily. I tried to make it, you know, I tried to be slick. So I went in, gave her a hug, like, hey, how's it going? And I saw people heading out to the back, uh, to the deck. I was like, all right, let me just scoot over here. And my wife comes out later. I was like, hey, uh, dinner's ready. Come on in, you know, you know, make a plate. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll be all right. I'll, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'm fine. And then at the end of the night, we're leaving. Uh, my wife tells me, yeah, so she, she, you know, I told her about your, your uh, injury. And like right now, just rest. I was like, okay, as long as she doesn't, you know, like force me, you know, into treatment. I, I'm, you know, I'm hard headed. So, but I, that all sounds amazing. And in fact, that again, you know, if you see a point where it's like, okay, we need to refer you out, you know, go see a physical therapist because, you know, you get, you know, individuals that are just like, okay, well, that's a problem. Uh, we can, you know, we can, we can get through that or we can fix that. And then they end up making the matters a little bit worse. So um, that's, that's really awesome. Good. So with everything that you're doing with it right now, and just kind of the time that's been that, that everything's been up and running. Um, what's the, uh, I guess, plan in, in terms of like growth, because you say you have about 50 uh, members now 80 yeah. percent being grapplers so you know is there any thoughts of like okay i think we might be kind of getting a little little tight in here we might need to expand a little bit or are you still defining your legs we've got space um the, the 2400 square feet has been huge for us before this we were in a 600 square foot warehouse spot uh with you know metal walls and it was it was a time uh, we were there for nine months and then we quadrupled our space um and since then i've hired a coach and an admin and so like we're growing the team and uh but i think realistically we could fit probably um i would have to hire at least one other coach probably two and we could probably hold up to 150 members uh not at one time obviously like they come in and leave but um, you know, I think we can, I think 150 members is really the sweet spot for us. So we're still in growth phase. Um, I think at the end of, by the end of this year, I, I would like us to be at about 75. 
and I will like I would like to have hired another coach um, to help take on some of the um, the new people. So, okay, cool. So there's plenty of room for growth, and it looks like you're moving in the in that direction. So this that's excellent for yourself as a grappler. Do you, are you competing or have you competed? Cause look, you're coming from hockey and the shit that you just told me is like, look, man, if, if, if you're not out there choking fools and, and, and <laughs> slamming them, like, I just feel like, oh man, I, I guess it was time to take a break. Or are you like, look, man, it's time to take it to another level. I'm a competitor at heart. Let's do it. I love to compete. Um, I competed a lot at white and blue. And, uh, I, I didn't do any majors or anything, but started to, um, started to win some local tournaments and some, I guess, mid-major, if you want to call it, um, tournaments. And then I competed once at purple, maybe twice. And then COVID hit and that shut everything down. And then, uh, and then I battled with injuries actually for a couple of years. My whole purple belt was pretty much injured. Um, and so I didn't compete. I didn't compete anymore at purple. I got my brown belt in December and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to get back to it. Let's go. And so I've done four so far this year. My goal is to do 10 at least. I would, 15 would be really, really cool. Um, so I am competing more. Um, I'm, but I'm still learning. Like I'm still learning how to compete in jujitsu. Like it's, it's a, it's a different animal. It's not like hockey. It's. It's, uh, yeah, it's different. So I'm, I'm learning every time and I'm trying not to go into it and put so much pressure on myself. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself as a, as a white and blue belt. I was like, ah, I gotta win. Like everything I got, I gotta win. I gotta win. I gotta win. If I don't win and it wasn't worth it. And, and I, I don't think that was the right mindset. I, I feel like I've grown since then. And I'm trying to go into each, uh, each competition, each tournament, uh, well, with a goal, it's like, I want to execute something but i'm not putting so much pressure on myself and if things don't go my way i just take the lesson and move on i gotta keep reminding myself that nobody cares it's fine it's I, you know unless you're competing for you know at the adult black belt uh you know championship world championship level nobody's gonna remember this it's fine and so i feel i've grown in that way where i'm not so uh i'm not so tense Right. I just like, Hey, let it, let it happen. Whatever, you know, whatever happens, happens. You go back, look at the video, make the change, come back, do it again. I'm just going to keep running it back until, you know, until I get what I want. <laughs> yeah. I think that was uh, a very important uh, thing you mentioned there is learning how to compete because there, there is an important element there where a lot of us, there there's this mindset like you said at white and blue belt there's this pressure that you put on yourself when you're like man i gotta win it's all about winning it's all about winning winning reality it's all about the lesson that you're getting on the mat because they they say you know you know you compete one competition is you know almost equal to about six months of you know in gym training so but it's even though we are told this and we know this, sometimes it is tough in our own mind to say, okay, just go in there to learn. And yeah. I want to win. I want that gold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's, I, I, I don't want it to sound like I don't want to win because I'm like everybody else. I'm fucking competitive and I want to, I want to yeah. win, but I, I'm, you know, I think I've reached a point in my life where I, I'm trying to let my ego go. Um, you know, even in training, like day-to-day -day training, like if I get tapped by a lower belt, it's fine. Like I'm trying to put myself in positions that maybe I'm unfamiliar with. And there may be there may be a blue belt or a purple belt who knows the position better than I do. Right. Like one of my top, one of my best training partners, his name's Josh Beam. He he's he competes a lot. Like he's he works for PayPal, he works remote, and he just competes like every weekend, every other weekend. He's like going, going, going. And so when we first, you know, met each other at the gym, you know, I'd whip his ass and it was easy. And now he's one of my toughest training partners. Like he goes so fast and he, he understands there are a couple of positions that he understands better than most people that I know. I, I would venture to say, I mean, he's got like near expert level 
uh, comprehension of certain positions because he plays them so often in competition where people are giving everything they have to either get out of it or negate whatever it is that he's doing. And so when I train with him, I can't let, I cannot let him have one single inch because he'll take, he'll take a mile. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like I, I like that. I like that. I'm able to, I feel I'm able to learn from even lower belts, uh, at this point in my career, I don't feel so, uh, I don't feel so proud. Right. Okay. I think, you know, that's a very important thing there too, is I was just again, talking to my buddy about this last night. It's funny cause I was doing a horror podcast with him and we got to talking about ego and, and all types of weird shit. It's like, dude, I'm pretty sure people are gonna listen to that podcast. Like what? Hey, tell me about the scary movie, dude. Stop talking about fights. Um, but that's that's an important thing, you know, because the ego, it's, it's just such a weird thing, you know. And we want to believe, oh, I don't have an ego. Everyone wants to believe they don't have an ego, but you kind of have to in order to get better. Yeah. It, it's impossible not to have an ego. It's just a matter of checking the ego and understanding. Like, like you say, if you get tapped by a lower belt, or you learn from a lower belt that's that that doesn't diminish your value that's you know it's called being a team you right. know yeah uh, and i think that's also again something you mentioned too earlier about jiu-jitsu even though it is individual on the mat it is a team sport you know boxing wrestling jiu-jitsu uh muay thai all of it because if you don't have that team to train with and and, and build off of you know you're not going to be worth a damn in, right. in your matches. So yeah. I mean, you're only good, as, as good as your training partners, right? You're, you're only as good as the circle that you surround yourself with. And uh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's totally true. Yeah. I have a friend, she's going to be competing. Um, actually, by the time this come out, she's probably competed um, this past weekend. And that's one thing that she and I discuss is, you know, she, she's, uh, in Europe. So, you know, she's talking about her training partners there and I, it's just tough for her because there's not a lot of females available and the ones that are available, it, you know, it's just tough time and things like that. And, you know, she, she would get into these, uh, bouts emotionally about, you know, training and teamwork and stuff. And, you know, that's a conversation we have constantly is myself. I'm, I don't compete. I, I probably will go back to it. Like with my schedule opening up now, I'm being able to train more. I'll probably look into, you know, getting back out there, but I don't normally compete, but that doesn't mean I can't be a good teammate to those who are competing. Yeah. I, I think that's something that, you know, people should possibly try to realize is like, even though you're there as a, as a hobbyist, and you're just there like, hey, I'm just looking to learn martial arts and I'm looking to, uh, you know, build this confidence. And then you got your teammate who's like, OK, you know, you want to roll, you know, still be a good training partner to them. Don't be, a, you know, a dead fish. You know, and don't be a dick either. Don't be like, you know, trying to crank submissions it's like, dude, they're competing this weekend and you just try to rip their neck off. Right. Yeah. So. People that come into you, like, are there mostly the people that come in? Are they already kind of athletes, like, kind of with a system already in place, or have you had some people coming in from like ground zero, like almost no training at all? And they're like, look, you know, I, I you know, I saw a flyer or I saw you online, and you know, it just seems like this might be something I can get into. Or are most of the people that come through already athletes that? have some sort of a base both and everything in between um there's no one um, that i'd say we see more than the other uh we've had people who are brand new to jujitsu but you know uh, have extensive background and like just being in the weight room um we have people who are black belts who had no experience in the weight room and you know every combination um so i can't say there's one that really sticks out um but uh, the, the whole everything that we do is built to meet whoever comes through the door where they're at right and that's where you know when we go through the strategy session and the movement and the strength assessment everything is all built 
you know, is all there to build a picture so that when they come in, regardless of what they've done in the past, whether they've trained, you know, they, we've got, there's a member that we have. Uh, I think he's been, he's been lifting weights for longer than I've been coaching uh, in my career. So I, I've been coaching in one way, shape or form since I was 16. Right. And so he's been lifting weights for that long. Right. He's got, he has a, an extensive history in the weight room, but he still comes to us because we have, you know, we have a, a knowledge base that, you know, maybe he, he's not familiar with and stuff that, you know, there's stuff that we can help him with that, that he, he was unable to attain on his own. So it's all about meeting people where they're at. That's the, that's the key. And speaking of ego in, in that regard, have you had anyone come through that, that had an extensive history of, you know, weight training and just, uh, you know, af you know, athletics, and then they come in, you know, even though they're asking you for help, they're not really accepting it or listening. Have you ever encountered that with anyone? No. Um, I'm a big believer in your vibe attracts your tribe. And I'm not that kind of person. So the people that we get, uh, the people that we get are hungry to learn. They're there for a reason. And even if they have more experience than I do in a certain field or an adjacent field, whatever it is, um, you know, they're, they're hungry to learn. And I find that that's really common in jujitsu in general is just people are so hungry to just gain as much knowledge as they can. Um, and so that's, I would say that's probably a more likely scenario than somebody coming in and being like, I don't, I don't need this because if they do, then if they just don't last, they leave. True. And I feel like too, if they come in and they're like, I don't need this. And it's like, no, why the fuck did you come in? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you know when you get people coming into jujitsu and they're like oh you got you know just i'm just gonna stand up you guys can't beat me and then it's like oh you get humbled real quick and like mm, i don't need this anyway i'm going home right right yeah <laughs> quick workout there's i think everybody's come across at least one of those in their uh in their time on the mats probably is somebody comes in and i i uh, was it you who posted the meme today? It was like, guy, oh man, I can't remember where I saw it. It was something about uh, something about a guy, a street fighter coming in, and yeah, uh, yeah. You, yeah that was you. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, oh man, oh poor guy. <laughs> yeah, it's like those those still exist, oddly enough. And I was kind of that guy to a small degree. Like, I when I entered, I was I was open to learning for sure. But in my mind, I'm thinking, look, man, I played football for many years, basketball. I, you know, I'm strong as fuck. Ain't nobody stopped me it, except for this 14-year-old kid. <laughs> Ain't nobody beat me but but that kid over there. He <laughs> beat my ass, and I, I didn't know what to do. And then uh, my first full class, the dude, he choked me with my T-shirt. I was like, I, I, that was what really kind of made me question everything is when i got choked by my own shirt yeah <laughs> and i didn't know where it came from i didn't know how it happened yeah and i'm just sitting there thinking it's like what the fuck was that and why am i here and then at that time i was only training once per week so i had a week to think about it and <laughs> I sat there yeah. and i was like do i want to I, i've already committed though i've already signed up uh, and I was like, all right, let's go back and then try this again. Let's drop the ego. And I think it took getting choked by my own shirt to, to release the ego and like, yo, you need to chill. Just go in here and learn from these dudes. And it's been cool ever since. I, I think I've gotten to the point where it's like so much so that I need to regain some of my ego. I just go in now. I'm just like, okay, I'm just here. I'm, I'm here to help the team. And it's like I get choked. I'm like, cool, good choke. It's like, yeah, you should be pissed that you just got your ass kicked. Yeah, I, I'm not. <laughs> like, like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, maybe <laughs> I got choked and like lost some blood. You know, the blood wasn't going to my brain, and maybe I'm just high right now. I don't know. But um, yeah, when I came in, I was that that guy for a brief moment, and then I realized I'm not gonna learn if I come in here trying to fight these guys and say that I'm better than you. And then there came this understanding of like, there's no such thing as I'm better than you because there's one day 
I might know something they don't know, and they definitely will know something I don't know. So it's like, let's build on each other and and learn together versus coming in and saying, oh, well, I know how to do a better loop choke than you. It's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it it doesn't matter if you can't execute it. Like, I'm not going to allow it now, you dummy. So there's a, I see you have, um, a seminar upcoming yeah. on May 13th. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? And uh, I guess really, I guess that's kind of a good segue and a plug for that right there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our signature seminar is called Bulletproof Your Body, Win More Matches. Um, it's built for grapplers. So Bulletproof Your Body, Win More Matches. Uh, we talk about common injury patterns in jujitsu. Um, we talk about how to mitigate those injuries through uh, building mobility, strength, power, um, all of the requisite um, qualities that we look for in an athlete, uh, prefer, you know, an injury-free athlete or um, one that if they do get into, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that you can completely eliminate injuries from any sport. That's not a thing. But I will say that uh, there will be times, you know, people who train with us, they find themselves in positions where they may have been injured but did not they may find themselves in positions where they do get injured and because they've done the work prior they bounce back quicker and that's ultimately the goal is we want to keep people on the mats as long as possible and if we can share that with as many grapplers as we can and hopefully they take even just one thing and do that one thing then it it may you know help them stay on the mats longer learn more jujitsu everybody's level goes up um when people are staying on the mats getting better and that's our goal ultimately okay good by the sounds of it just everything that i've heard it's like dude it sounds like an amazing program it sounds like a lot of people can benefit from what you all do i know i could more than likely benefit from what you all do not more than like i could definitely benefit from what you all i had to offer so that's that's amazing and i'll be sure to um put that in the show notes as well so that way people are aware even though i'm here in maryland somehow i have more reach in california somehow that's fucking weird you don't like me over here there's a lot of jujitsu here there's probably there's probably 50 academies in in the south bay i'd imagine i can think of i can think of four within two blocks of the gym that i go to like I always feel like over here, it's like, I think it's big, big business to be like, oh, we have one, two, three, I think four, like uh, maybe five, like, at least four for sure. Like very close down here on like route one or uh, I'm sorry, uh, route two. And it's like, oh, wow. Like we got four gyms right here. You go to California. It's like, yeah, okay. You got four <laughs> on that one road. Dude, yeah, they're, they're you got on four in this neighborhood. <laughs> And it's even more, you know, it's even more prevalent in SoCal too. So that's, have you ever seen, uh, did you ever watch the documentary? Uh, there's, there's two that I always recommend. You've probably seen Choke, the Hicks and Grace story. Have you ever seen Roll? I have not. Roll is another good one. It's, uh, I believe it's, that one's on the story of how jujitsu kind of came to California and how it, um, you know, how it blossomed, how the Gracie family knew they were like, if we're going to bring this to the world, we're not going to be able to do it from Brazil. We're going to have to do it from the United States and where better than Los Angeles. Like that's where Hollywood is. That's where, that's where the the center of, you know, so much influence is, um, you know, as far as popular culture goes. Um, so anyways, that's a really good, uh, really good documentary. You can find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes, but well worth the watch. Just made a little note on my dry erase board here because unlike when I'm scheduling episodes, <laughs> you know, I, I like to write down at least notes from the podcast. <laughs> like I, I need to just like my daughter was down here right before we started recording. There's a notebook. She goes, oh, what's this? I was like, oh, it's a notepad. You can have it. Take it. Meanwhile, I probably should be like, hey, give me that. I need to start <laughs> writing down stuff in this. Uh, but yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, and you know, there's always, 
you know, there's bigger pictures to things, you know, especially when it comes to the idea of like, okay, if I'm going to start something, that's fine. But I also have to be able to start something and make it grow. I have to be able to market. I have to, you know, build a, a following to it. You know, you're not going to take this to Arkansas. I'm not trying to shit on the people in Arkansas, but I don't know. I've seen a couple movies and documentaries down there in Arkansas, and it doesn't look like there's a whole hell of a lot going on down there. So you're probably not going to try to start jujitsu in Arkansas. But, you know, you bring jujitsu over to L.A., you know, hell, even Miami, you know, you, you know, your bigger cities, basically, yeah. where you can uh you know, kind of grow that popularity. I mean, yeah, what better place than LA? I mean, Hollywood, that's, that's where it all kind of, you know, when people are like, Hey, I'm going to move out West and try to make it big. No one's saying that they're going to, you know, Salem, you know, Oregon, you know, right. I'm going to LA, yeah. uh, I'm going to go be a star. Right. So, yeah. That's what they did. I mean, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm thankful for it. Cause uh, you know, if they hadn't done it, then you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You think about all the things that had to happen for just for this to occur. It's kind of cool. That's something I always try to remind myself of things. You know, when you start looking at where your path has led you, it's like, well, you, you gotta, you know, think of what happened here or who did this, where, I mean, I remember when we first watched UFC, my, I had a friend who was doing Taekwondo back in high school and his parents had rented UFC one for him from the local video store. So we all sat in the basement and watched it, which the wild thing about his parents, like if you look at this family, this does not look like the kind of family that's going to rent UFC one for their kid. <laughs> this is a very like middle America, like, uh, you know, like, you know, mom, dad, you know, two kids, a dog, you know, it was like, okay, cool. You know, and they go to church every Sunday, like, okay, cool. Meanwhile, they're like, Hey, you know, go in the basement with your friend and watch this video of people trying to kill each other. Um, I want to say we watched it maybe in 95, 95 or 96. And even then seeing that we understood that this was something unique, but as kids, we're thinking, man, you know, how does this continue to grow? Yeah. And, you know, you continue to see a couple more UFC events pop up. I think the first one we watched live was probably shortly thereafter. Um, I can't even, it might've been number five, maybe. And we were hooked as kids. We we're like, yes, we like, we want more of this. It just wasn't because we're kids. We, you know, we're not patient. We want like this, like WWF, the WWE, right. you know, we want it every week. We want it every month. We want as much as possible. And, you know, it, it's great that the Gracie's brought it here. Um, you know, the Fertitta brothers, you know, buying the UFC and then, you know, starting the ultimate fighter uh, reality series and really, really kind of putting that on the mainstream with MMA but even when you're watching MMA, you're still seeing it's like, okay, these dudes are still, you know, using grappling. They're, they're choking each other out. They're, yeah. they're arm barring cats. What is this? And I remember, I remember even before then in the 90s, because we're video game kids, it was like, man, it'd be cool if they had like a UFC video game. I remember my buddy was like, how would that even work? Like, how are you going to like... Because yeah. grappling would not make sense, you know, that, you know, how would they, you know, simulate that on a video game? They figured it out. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's wild. So, so yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, this sport has continued to grow. You know, there's always talks about jujitsu one way or the other. You know, people were like, we want to see it in the Olympics, but we don't want to see it in the Olympics because it'll get watered down. The gi is going away. It's dead. You know, and you got people that are resistant. Like, no, the gi is fine. And it's like, look, man, just it's all grappling. So let's just love it and enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up here and, um, you know, kind of get things set up. Matt, before we get out of here, are there any uh, shout outs or mentions you want to drop? Um. Well, like we talked about earlier, our next seminar is April 29th at Solidarity BJJ. That's 
in South San Jose. Um, I believe we start at 1030. You can click the link on our bio uh, on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at, at Victory High Performance. Um, you can find my personal Instagram at, at matt.jits.hu, H-E-W. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, we talked about May 13th being our next uh, next seminar on the schedule. That one's at Triune BJJ. That's in Santa Clara, California. Um, so not too far away. <clears throat> Other than that, uh, if people are looking to, you know, if they're grapplers listening to this, uh, they're maybe dealing with pain or uh, scared of being hurt on the mats or have been hurt and had to spend extended periods of time away from the mats, want to compete, want to get better, want to take their jujitsu to the next level. The first step with us is just to schedule a strategy session. Um, so you can do that by clicking the link on our bio on Instagram or by going to victoryhighperformance.com. You'll see a big red button on the side. It says schedule a strategy session. Um, if you click that, uh, it'll give you the, uh, it'll give you all our, our calendar, our dates, everything there. Um, and we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help as many grapplers as we can stay on the mats, train harder, train longer, just enjoy life. Awesome. I'll be sure to put all that information in the show notes. So, you know, whether you're looking on Instagram, you'll see the links there. If you're, if you're, you know, listen to the show from Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever podcasts, I don't, I don't know where to, I'm going to be honest. I don't know where this podcast even shows up. I just know <laughs> that when I look at the stats, I see a bunch of different things. I'm like, oh, everybody's listening to it from there. So you'll be able to find all the info in the show notes there as well. So um, be on the lookout. Otherwise, Matt, thank you again for doing this. I appreciate you. So much for having me. You know, making the time because, you know, like I told you before we started recording, without you all as the guests, this show does not function. So thank you for that. Likewise. And as always, to the listeners, thank you. Thank you for taking the time and finding this podcast. Thank you for following me on Instagram. You know, like this this is all goofy to me sometimes because it's like wow like I, sh I share stuff and people like it so I, I appreciate everybody who's taking the time to listen to the podcast uh you know follow off the mats or bjj.wiki and repost as well so thank you everyone if y'all have any questions concerns criticisms always feel free to reach out to me you can find me at those instagram accounts bjj.wiki or off the mats podcast I've had some people email me at offthemats2020 at gmail.com. Y'all can do that too, but it gets a little weird because I forget that I tell people to do it. So um, <laughs> if I don't respond, it's not because I'm being rude. It's because I forget that I tell people to email me. And then when I get an email, I'm like, is this a scammer? Like somebody <laughs> trying to steal my money? Like, you know, all of my dollars, dollars that I have in my accounts. But yeah, definitely uh, reach out. Uh, I'd love to give a big shout out to my team over at Nerd Rage Radio. I, I plug them every episode because if it weren't for Nerd Rage Radio, I wouldn't be doing podcasting. But, you know, we just recorded episode 400 over there. So um, go go give a listen. Actually, I was on episode 399, 401. So if y'all want to hear Dante say a lot of bad words outside of this <laughs> talk about comic books and, and, and pop culture head over there. It's a good show. Those guys are doing great. Also want to give a shout out to oh, my other podcast. So you like horror, we talk about scary movies over there. So if you're into that kind of thing, go check it out. We've been doing horror through the decades. We just wrapped up horror in the 1960s, which was a fascinating decade. And we're working on the 70s, which is going to probably be a two-parter because I'm a kid of the 70s and the 80s. I was born in 78. And all the horror movies that I recall growing up came from the 70s. So that's going to be a big episode. So stay tuned for that. And we'll also talk about The Evil Dead. So, yeah, if you're into that, go check out the Instagram. It's So You Like Horror. All the words separated by underscores. And... Um, yeah, get into it. And like I always say, it's not for educational purposes at all. 
it's just conversation entertainment because I don't really know a lot of shit, but I know that I watch a lot of horror movies and we have fun. Now I want to give uh, one last big shout out to Matt and his team over at Victory High Performance. Uh, again, look for the links in the profile here on uh, Instagram. Uh, look for the links in the story or not stories, but um, show notes and just be nice people. Go over, give a follow. Keep track. Stay tuned. Go check out the seminar if you're in the area. Otherwise, I love you all. You guys are great. You guys keep listening, and we're going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye. They probably said. Now let me see his song.